Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake BJ Shea's on assignment, but running the boards is Joey D. Hey. Howdy. Wah. Wednesday. Wah. We're going to be talking about Miss Marvel, and we got a listener email to discuss uh, some interesting aspects of the show. Vicky, you saw it, right? Yes. Nice. Caught up on that. We're going to talk with Joe about his mobile gaming endeavors. Uh-oh. Diablo Immortal. I hope you have Big Wallet. Oh, bo- oh boy, here we go. We'll talk about that. We are also going to get into the interesting thing Blizzard is going to be doing with Overwatch 2. And of course, we'll get to the geek sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. More. Or just search <laughs> BJ's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. <laughs> yes, another way you can get a hold of us is by sending us an email, bjgeeknation at gmail.com. And uh, we do monitor that and check it out and make sure that we get some, uh, that we can address the emails that we get because we want to hear from you. We want to know what your thoughts are on stuff. And uh, I have been watching uh, Miss Marvel started at the beginning and continue to watch it weekly. Still very much enjoy that. Vicky just binged the episodes because mm-hmm. you can do so on Disney Plus. If you come in late, you can just watch them right away, which is pretty amazing. Nice palate cleanse after I watch the boys. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's one of those shows, especially because there's so many grim, dark shows out there. Uh, that it's a nice little bit of a palate cleanser, like you said. Uh, one thing, though, is that when we seek out those opinions, you know, sometimes people aren't really too stoked on things. And we want to kind of see where you're coming from and the reasons why. So we did get an email from Matt who said, Geek Nation, I am enjoying Miss Marvel, but here it comes. It is very Disney show troped out. Clueless dad, strict mom, friend with a crush, mustache-twisting enemies, and the unpopular high school kid elements clang badly against the good things the series does well. The special effects in particular are first-rate. The lead actress is great when free to act in the uncringy parts of the script. I'm still working my way through the series, but unlike most of the MCU offerings, it's the first show I need to drag myself in front of. A huge contrast to this series is the treatment of America Chavez and the Doctor Strange story, geeking out with you from Matt. And he did come back with a uh, 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 a recap or like a, a rebuttal mm-hmm. um, because it's like, hey, yeah, that's cool. We'll, we'll talk about that. So let's talk about those aspects at the beginning because it turns out he's basing that off of the first two episodes. So having watched the first two episodes of Miss Marvel, yes, it is a little bit of that tropey Spider-Man-esque flavor of mm-hmm. a show. It's a little kid, well, a little kid, a high schooler figuring out her life. Mm-hmm. And it's dealing with, one of the big differences is, uh, as opposed to most of the Marvel tropes, is that she's got a full nuclear family. She's got a mother, a father, a brother, uh, a brother who's about to get married, mm-hmm. um, a whole community with, uh, with her. So she's not alone, but everybody is kind of essentially set in their um, their traditional ways because they're yes. Pakistani immigrants. And so she's got a battle between wanting to find her authentic self in high school, which is already hell anyways. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's been through high school, you understand that. But then also combating that with having to uh, stay in the traditional values of her family's heritage. 
So it's that juxtaposition of having to deal with all that. And then also coming across a her love of uh, Captain Marvel Mm -hmm. and the fact that everyone's like, oh, you know, you need to get your head out of the clouds. You need to stop daydreaming. And it seems like. I when when I was watching it, I was just oh practically begging you, Vicky. I was like, you mm-hmm. need to watch this because I need to see how you feel and if like how much of this resonated with you because it's a lot of what your own life was. I feel kind of mir- mirrored this a bit. Why are you telling people about my superpowers? Oh yeah, <laughs> well, we're not talking about your superpowers. Dang it! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting because there are times where I would forget that she was not Latina. Yeah. Uh, not because of the way she looked necessarily, because she kind of reminds me of Haley. Well, I forget how to pronounce her last name. Steinfeld. But yeah, Kate Bishop. Yeah, like yeah. I think it's in the eyes and the faces she makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so I was just like, who does she remind me of? But she also kind of looks like one of my cousins. <laughs> uh, the thing is, uh, until they would say something like a like a term of endearment, like uh, beta. Like I yeah. think that means like I don't know if it means baby or something, but that's their term of endearment for child. Yeah. Um, like, I would forget that she's not Hispanic mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of the ways like her family was is how my family was, mm-hmm. uh, especially you're a child of an immigrant. They they you, you want to stick to your culture. You love your culture. You love your family. But you also want, you know, to explore. You're also this is a big part of you, America and like the way things are done here. And, like, I felt so bad that moment where she didn't want to, in a few episodes back, where she didn't want to take her dad to the, the convention Con. with. Yeah. And it's not so much that her, I like, this was me. Like I, like, I know everyone was feeling bad about the dad. Like, oh, she was so rude. She made her dad, like, upset. But I'm thinking, I immediately turned into a teenager. Like, yeah. I, I'm just like, I understand her. And it's not so much that you don't want your parents there because they're going to embarrass you. You're worried that they're going to see you for who you're, you are and make fun of you for it or, or not understand or condemn you for it. And that's the thing, too. It's they they they, they want to they want to be involved with mm-hmm. their child's life. Um, and obviously they don't want to necessarily let go. Mm-hmm. And that's just the father or the, 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 parental, the parent child yeah. dynamic. Um, but then it's also the child aspect of. I just need you to take me there because this is my thing. Don't insert what you want into this. Right. I already have a plan and you're ruining it by Mm. being overly enthusiastic. And it's like you're cramping my style by inserting Mm. what you want me to be there instead of letting me be me. Right. And like there are times where like I know I like as a teenager, like I, I was never that teenager where you're like, you can't come mom. You can't come dad. Like if they gave me a ride somewhere, I didn't care. They thought I was embarrassed. I'm like, no. But I know that there's a lot of stuff I have to hold back or I can't be in front of you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, because you get I get made fun of. I get judged. It's like, you're, this is not how we raised you. This is not. We never told you or taught you to like these things like comic book heroes mm-hmm. or this or that. Why aren't you interested in what we want you to be interested in? So there's that pushback. And I definitely understand that. Like, even with like the tattoos, I remember when I started getting tattoos, like the first thing my parents said, they're like, we never raised you to like them. We never raised you to to think that this was okay, like they're they're cool with it now because they know one, well, they mean, don't they don't scrub off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but they know like this is just who you are. Yeah. And so not only does teenage years you learn about yourself, you learn how to accept yourself. Parents are starting to learn how to accept you as well. And that's I think kind of like even when Matt was talking about the cringy aspects, like a lot of those 
those cringy aspects of especially like the first two episodes, mm-hmm. it was reminding you what high school is like from mm-hmm. the perspective of a high schooler. And so you've got to remember that. So, yeah, they are going to lean on those tropes. And mm-hmm. then uh, even after I, I sent him back, Matt, the message, I was like, hey, man, we we're going to discuss this. And he's like, well, uh, episode three was a lot better. Mm-hmm. So he did watch episode three. He said uh, they didn't prop it up with as many Disney tropes. They upped the stakes and they definitely hooked him into the show. It was the most entertaining episode yet. And he said it's still a few tropes, and he still he says he hopes episode four brings uh, some more family support. Unshockingly, it does, uh, especially now because they have to travel to Pakistan, and uh, they were dealing with all of that. And so you got to see that's the one thing I love about this so much is now you're looking, especially with stuff like Moon Knight, you get to see the non-American impact mm-hmm. of what. The uh, what the world events were, what the Avengers events were. And so even like a couple of the Easter eggs, you get to see an Ant-Man mural in the subway. Mm -hmm. And it's a real direct allegory to what she's dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of cool to see that. And I mean, of course, it's Ant-Man. Scott Lang's freaking everywhere. Right. Like, it's just going to be one of those things, which is fantastic. I love that they did throw in a little mention of how Paul Rudd never ages. Yeah. Where it's like the two things we have in common. We look a lot younger than we are. (laughs) She doesn't look like she's 13. And that was, and he even asked, do you have any friends on the show that can comment on the authenticity of the culture and the way of life? I don't necessarily know anybody Mm -hmm. of Pakistani culture who could comment on that. If anybody out there would uh, uh, knows of someone who can comment on that, let us know. Get us in mm-hmm. contact with them. But I felt it was a real close allegory to a lot of the stuff that you have oh, had yeah. to deal with. So I feel that it was a uh, uh, you have a place to be able to speak about what's been happening with that. Well, there's definitely a sense of, especially with immigrant parents, not just parents, like, you know, people of color. Uh, a lot of times the reason they were immigrants is because they've had to leave a place of hurt like like in their in their they were talking about the uh the partition the partition and Mm -hmm. how awful and bloody and everything that was so there is a lot of generational trauma in that sense so when they come to like let's say america or they move uh there is still that fear of something bad's gonna happen so they kind of put this protective hold over you especially if you're a girl yeah because i like i there's a lot more liberties my brother had and granted he's younger but than I ever had. Yeah. Uh, so there is definitely that fear and that hovering over you, like to try to protect you, which sometimes can be worse because it's a little smothering and you don't really figure things out. And it was also interesting in this last episode, too, because we got we've been able to see the interaction that Kamala has with her mother. Mm-hmm. And in this one, we got to see the interaction that her mother has with Kamala's grandmother, mm-hmm. her mother, which one of those other things is, too, you don't realize as an immigrant family moving away from your family, there may be some resentment from the people that you left behind mm-hmm. because they might feel and it was stated as such in this one that you left them. Like you needed to get away a world away, half a world away from them. And it wasn't the case. It was she needed a change. She stayed as much. She needed a change. And this was her chance to, you know, create something new for herself, which is also very much giving the sympathy of her now maybe understanding a little bit more of what her daughter's going through. So it's that generational thing Mm -hmm. and we see that and that's like we've joked about this is like the big villains of the uh, 2020s is generational trauma right so uh, get ready for a lot of that and And it it, it hits hits really close for a lot of people I'm just gonna say and even like small details like I obviously have never been 
to Pakistan or mm-hmm. any of that. Yeah. Like, I don't really know what it looks like. But seeing her arrive there, because I felt like, in I don't know if they stated this, at least this is her first time as a gr- grown child seeing it. Yeah, and that was even on the airplane. It yeah. was like, oh, yeah, this it's must like, be your first time. Oh, it's like, well, what could you tell? It's because yeah. you're holding that stuffed animal pretty tight. Right. Like, it's so, a pillow. It's a sleep like, pillow. Don't worry about it. When you, <laughs> it's a pretty awesome sleep pillow. It really was cool. Baby's love. But like watching her face when she's looking around and the way they did the shots and stuff of this country, it's like... It reminded me, I, I've been back to Mexico multiple times in my life, a couple of times, a handful of times as an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's this sense of when you arrive uh, to the country your parents are from, where your culture's from, where all your traditions are from, uh, there's a sense of like feeling like you're home, but it's also super, it's not. Like at the same yeah. time, you feel like you're a stranger in this, like you don't belong there. It's it, like even like what our friend was saying, I think in one of the first or second episodes, I've. Nita, I believe, or Nadia, uh, she yeah. said something like, I'm too ethnic for some and I'm too white for others. Like, yeah. and it's kind of, I'm kind of the same way because I am very much a white passing Mexican American. So there's a lot of stuff I don't deal with on a daily basis, but doesn't mean I haven't dealt with other stuff. Uh, <laughs> but I, when I was watching this, I had this thing in mind. There is a Netflix, um, it's kind of like a play or a one-man show, and I've I've told you about, is uh, John Leguizamo's Latin American History for Morons. Yeah, yeah. And there was a line that kept sticking in my head while I'm watching the show when people complain about having to have, like, oh, people are trying to be more woke and more representation, blah, blah, blah. Um, This is, uh, so in in Latin American History for Morons, he explains how a lot of times, not just Latin Americans, but a lot of people are left out of the history books. And that was even something that was said. It's like, cool, we get the whitewash version. Mm -hmm. But he says, it's like, we are so American, as in Latin Americans, we are so American, it hurts because, you know, we're the only ethnic group in this that has fought for every single war this country has ever had. We've shed blood for America in each and every way in one of our wars, we're the most decorated mayor- minority in each and every single one of those wars. But where are our contributions? Where are they? Where are they listed, mentioned, or honored? Can you imagine if we put that back in history, written back into history textbooks? Can you imagine how America would see us? More importantly, can you imagine how we would see ourselves? Yeah. And so when I see like shows like this, like we're getting more, uh, even with Moon Knight and stuff, more representation, it's like, Imagine how we could see ourselves as heroes, too. Yeah. Like, a brown girl from Jersey doesn't save the world. Like, yes, she can. Yeah, why not? And so, like, that line, it's like, more importantly, can you imagine how we would see ourselves? Like, when it comes to representation in media, it is so important, and I'm so excited to see this. And even as somebody who, whose family is from a completely different country, <laughs> I could still relate to her in different ways. I love it. And that's really kind of the crux of this. It's a limited edition series. You can watch it on Disney Plus right now. I think it's worth the watch, even if you're not familiar with uh, the culture or some of the references. It's still a really good watch when it comes down to it. Uh, I love the art style, the art direction, the characters. The actors are phenomenal. The story, again, yeah, it's a Disney trope story, Marvel trope story, because that's what it's supposed to be. It's an intro to a new character that and it's kind of something I mentioned when we got the very first trailer of it just the vibe of it the Mm -hmm. little animations and her her mind wandering I felt that this was not going to be your moon night or like an adult show I felt like it's going to be more of a Star Wars it is technically meant for a younger audience that doesn't mean that an older audience would enjoy it like we are it feels yeah very uh, YA 
yeah, like young, young adult adults. sort of things going on with that. Yeah. So I feel like if that's not really your your thing, you can still enjoy it, but kind of give it that grace because yeah. it may be not for you. Moving on from that, we do need to talk a little bit of gaming because, Joe, you're getting into Diablo Immortal, which, if you didn't know, is uh, a way for you to battle against ancient evils and discover the untold story between Diablo 2 and 3 in a new massively multiplayer online game. And it's an MMO action RPG that is free to play uh, for your mobile and PC. That's correct. So this was interesting when I saw that because if you got Battle.net, and I, I mean, if you do anything with Blizzard, you probably have Battle.net. Yep. And this was, it's Diablo. It's Diablo mainly for the mobile. And it's, while it's free to play, there is definitely the microtransactions, which we're uh, well known and well versed with. And it has caused some people to uh, maybe uh, raise a little ruckus uh, online, as gamers are wont to do. Um, but you have played it. I have played it. It's great. Uh, probably one of the best mobile games I've ever seen. I mean, which makes sense. It's one of the newer ones, and it's by a huge publisher. Right. Uh, but, what, I mean, I as far as mobile games go, they've really been pushing the limits on how much you can put on the screen and how much you can drain your battery. And that was always a big concern for me because you mean you see Diablo, there are a lot yeah. of units on the screen. You've got to connect to a bunch of different people usually because they open servers. And usually when you're playing a Diablo-like game, it's massive amounts of enemies coming at you, flooding your screen. It's very much it's very much click to win. You're just spamming it when it's going on. I remember playing Diablo 2 and my screen getting just slowed down because of the amount of stuff that's going on. And yeah, and I was on an iPhone 7 for the longest time. And I recently, I think last year, I was like, did you try to play it on an iPhone 7? No. Oh, okay, because I'm like, damn, dude. But I hadn't uh-huh. seen the jump because obviously every year that gets you know more and more powerful and the big push in the uh, mobile industry is the battery because mm-hmm. the bigger the battery is, or not the bigger, but the stronger it is, the more you can put on the screen, the more you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this game is quite literally just Diablo 3 on your phone, which is shocking to me because Diablo 3 is not that old. No, it's really not, and the it's just it's one of those things that it, I I love Diablo three. Like I really loved it. I love the story. I love the fact that you can get onto it, and it's just like a lot of the times when you're looking at a uh, a mobile uh, a transfer for a game, like going into a mobile situation, you're gonna lose a lot. I've tried to play Apex Mobile. And, well, Apex is having their own issues just with their servers right now, like for the regular game. But the mobile version, is just it doesn't hold a candle for me on that aspect, so I don't really care so much about that. But you're saying, I mean, you're, you're already saying that it's good, that it's it sucked you in. Yeah, it's not, I'm not going to go ahead and say it's the exact game, right? That makes sense. But the only thing that really changes is the amount of abilities and the amount of classes. Like the actual game itself, like the, the dungeons and all the stuff, it's all there. Mm-hmm. And they've taken every mobile monetization, you know, uh, idea and put it into this game, which you would think, okay, that's it. I'm going to have to pay a million dollars. You really don't. You don't have to pay any money, really. You can play the whole game. I haven't paid a dollar. I'm Paragon 40, which is essentially level 100. Okay. And I haven't paid a dollar. I've gotten some good loot. I've done a lot of grinding. I've connected with all my friends. I've gotten all my daily rewards. But there is one pretty crazy thing they added, which are these legendary gems. Dude. And that's been the talk of the town because everyone realized that the you know the percent chance to drop a legendary gem at five stars, which is the highest level... It's so low that you'd have to spend 
tens of thousands of dollars to get enough of them. And of course, if you do, you're the best player in the PvP mode. Yeah, and that's the big thing right there. It's like, uh, like I play Marvel Strike Force, which is, again, it's a gotcha game, uh, which means loot boxes and all of that stuff. And I mean, even Diablo Immortal has been banned in some EU countries because of the loot box thing. It's a whole gotcha uh, and gotcha's G-A-T-C-H-A. You got to look it up, but it's a whole Japanese thing. But basically, it gets down to, is this gambling or not? Yeah. And for the most part, a lot of people consider it gambling. And so when you're getting these things and you're spending this money for these gems, I've literally seen reports and I've watched videos of people who have spent ten to $15,000 and gotten one five-star rare gem. And that... People are up in arms about that, but on that same note, with like even with something like I've played with Marvel Strike Force, I've put some money into this game, not a whole lot. In the first two years I played it, I didn't put a single dollar into it. It was just when I decided to get a little more serious at it and I wanted to raise the stakes a little bit, was that that was when I got into it. And it feels like this as well. It's when you get into that PvP aspect, which is like, do you want to be the big whale? Do you want to be the one that kills everyone? Do you want to kick everyone's ass? If you're in for that, you hopefully you got a disposable income because that's what you're going to need. And I get why people are upset because there is a new uh, thing they added to this game called the Immortals versus the Shadows. And it's this idea that the best clan in the game gets to be the Immortals. And there's only one clan that gets to be these Immortals. And they are essentially the best clan. And they fight everyone else in the game oh. that are called Shadows because they get bonus rewards. And essentially the idea is over time, the the underpaid players will get to ramp up and beat the Immortals because they get more rewards, who are the whales, essentially, who are paying for all this stuff. Yeah. And they'll switch off back and forth eventually King over a long time. King of the Hill time. style, then, about that. Yeah, so the idea is that, they, you know, all, all the people right. that pay get to make, you know, more, you know, get less resources, but they're paying to make up for it, and then over time, eventually, the non-paying players will win for some amount of time, and it'll go back and forth. It's a cool idea. Unfortunately, in 2022, uh, <laughs> gamers tend not to like the idea that they can't be the best at things. Yeah. So, well, and I mean, I've seen this in other Blizzard properties. I saw it with World of Warcraft, and that's when they kind of opened up like raiding. And I mean, I grew up during the times of like Uber guilds and like EverQuest, where, yeah, there were a couple of guilds that if you wanted to be the best, you had to spend the, and it wasn't money at that point, it was just time. Yep. And it was the grind. And now everyone can grind just on their phone. So how do you make up that difference? Well, hey, these companies want to make money. What's the easiest way? Well, you can pay to win. Yep. And a lot of people, that's a very derogatory term when you're like, oh, you're just a pay to win guy. And you're like, yeah, because that's what they give you. They give you that option. You either have money or you have time or you have a little bit of both that you can wiggle through there. It's... It's just how you're going to be having to look at games now, whether you like that or not. There's a lot of free games out there who just do cosmetics, Yep. yep. which is something like, I mean, even with like Apex, like I mentioned, or uh, something like Fall Guys. Like these are the, the smaller fun games that you can just spend money on cosmetics to look pretty, but the base gameplay is still going to be the same. Yeah, it's weird to me. When I go into playing a game, I think of what am I actually doing every day? And am I enjoying that activity? So, for instance, in Diablo, it would be I'm going into dungeons with my friends and I'm killing monsters and I'm growing more powerful and I'm challenging myself. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy that. And I don't have to pay any money for it. And I get to do it all for free every day because yep. someone in the game decides that what their version of fun is, is I need to be the best at this game and I need to give Blizzard $15,000 to do that. <sighs> I know. And it's like some of these pro gamers or streamers even, like, they're just throwing out there, like, yeah, I spent this much money. I only got this amount. I'm like, well, thank you for showing everyone, like, that because it's those top tier people 
showing how a system might be broken that kind of proves or at least helps them, uh, the developers, tweak the game uh, and to make it eventually a little bit easier for uh, the newer people who are coming into it uh, late in the game. Yeah, and you know, I understand that mindset that you want to be the best and you got to do it. And like, I've been in clans, like even in this Diablo Mortals, because I was playing a lot for fun when I was on vacation. And they they were ruthless about it. They were like, "Hey, if you're not online at 8 p.m. and you're not this level, you know, you're kicked out of the clan." Yeah. And I'm like, "Guys, I'm just trying to have some fun." And they're like, "No, no, this isn't that clan for you." Then and I got kicked out. Yeah, and that's yeah. understandable. Like right now, like in Marvel Strike Force, I'm in a clan, I'm in a clan right now, and it's like one of these things. Like we're doing this stuff, we're doing this stuff, and I'm getting kind of burnt out. And it's because, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm just not into it right now. If you guys want to boot me, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Like, I understand. And you just got to kind of find those like-minded people. There's plenty of casual guilds out there doing what you want to do. And if you want to finally step up to that level, you can do that. And that's one of those fun things about these games. You can play them for a long time, not put any money into it, see if it's something you want to get into. And then they will come into choke points where they're like, well, now if you really want to get up to this point, you're going to have to shell out or you're going to have to work a little bit harder to get it. But that gives me that sense of accomplishment. I don't want to be able to just sit here, play for 10 minutes a day, and now be top level 100, whatever, and just be like, oh, is that is that it? Okay, I want something to strive for. And then if I'm still playing it a couple years down the road, great. If not, I've moved on. Cool. And it's that same aspect of it. It's just, is it fun for you in the moment that you're playing? When it's no longer fun, don't worry about it. Just move on. Like, don't go in with the uh, sunk cost fallacy. No matter how much money you put into it, if it's no longer fun for you, just take a break. Yeah, and I'm going to say, like, if you've heard this, you now know. People can pay 15000 you know, five figures into this game. You're not going to beat them if you don't do that. So yeah. just be okay with that. It's exactly. <laughs> and that's like one of those things. Like you see the top tier guilds and sometimes even like even just like real basic mobile games. You'll see the people who are like number one and you're like, that's not attainable. Sometimes it's bots. Sometimes it's just a person with a lot of money. Oh, so yeah. you need just to be you, manage your expectations when it comes down to any sort of mobile game like that. Yeah, and it's a great couch game. You just log on, you get a bunch of daily bonuses, you pay ten minutes on your couch, and that can be your whole day if you want in the game. That's right, it. And exactly. Then, and you get more drops, and they do a really cool catch up mechanic in terms of legendary drops, where like some things are guaranteed depending on what uh, units you're killing. So if you really like, okay, I only have twenty minutes, you can make sure you get a couple of drops. Which if you know in Diablo. Doesn't it ever happen, F, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you might go two days or the 20 hours of content without getting an item you need. So it's nice there are th- things like that that at least make you want to come back to the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been enjoying it. I don't know. You know, I'm not going to play it forever. I mean, it's a mobile game. I yeah. tend to jump off those real quick. But, you know, if this is the future of where mobile games are going, where they're this detailed and there's this much effort put into them because they know that that small percentage of players will support the game. Yeah. Well, I don't know why everyone's complaining. And they're like, I read it like angry about it. I'm like, I don't know why you're angry about it. This game made $50 million in two weeks and you paid $0 for it. Exactly. <laughs> like awesome. They're going to get their money anyway from the people that want to spend the money. You don't have to. Yeah. And I feel that's just kind of like the, 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 the big warning for everyone on this. Like, you don't need to spend all that money if you want to and you got that disposable income. Good for you. Keep doing it. Right on. People forget about going to GameStop and like looking at the game section and being like, I'm going to spend $20 on a game I've never played, and it might be real bad. <laughs> I'm basing all of my decisions on the artwork because yeah. I haven't seen anything. First-person shooter with a cool-looking gun on the cover. Well, well here we go. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of first-person shooters, well, this is a team-based one, but still in the Blizzard world. 
we are going to be getting Overwatch 2 in something that's interesting that we've never really decided or figured out what's going on yet. Um, Blizzard has explained that Overwatch 2 will, quote, replace the current Overwatch build with all player unlocked content automatically trans uh, transferring across the game. Whoa. They're getting rid of the first one then? They are absolutely getting rid of the first Overwatch. Um, they also explain that uh, any unopened loot boxes will have their contents automatically added to your inventory, and any unused coins will also transfer over. Um, the shutdown is obviously not going down uh, well with many players, and it'll just be interesting just because... I know that the original Overwatch was a paid game, and they're shutting this down because, again, Overwatch 2 is going to be a free-to-play game. So I think they just, essentially at this point, they don't want to dilute their fan base in between two games. Yeah. And Overwatch has been, Blizzard overall has been mired in controversy for the last, what, five years at least? More um, so than the last two years. Yeah, <laughs> and then from actions from over a decade ago. And so uh, I think they even literally had to change a person's name, like a character's name in the game because it's based off of a real person who did some horrible things. Like, yeah. So I think it was, I think part of it is... There's a couple of things. Part of it is trying to get away from the stigma of Blizzard and Overwatch and just what happened in those last couple of years. Also, a lot of people who have been playing in the beta have been like, well, this seems like this should have just been kind of like a DLC update. And so I feel that at that point, that's what they're doing. They're just like, well, this is the update. We're calling it Overwatch 2. We're rebranding, reskinning, redoing it all, cleaning it all up. And we don't need to worry about the old one. We're focusing on the new one. And this leads to a bunch of things that I've seen in the past with like stuff like Titanfall 2, where Respawn just like, well, we're going to kind of work on some things, but they'll have like one or two people dealing with the, uh, the, the, the original game while everyone else is working on the sequel. So the older one is like, well, we need changes on this. This is broken. They're like, well, that's not our focus. They can take any focus away from Overwatch and just place it all solely on Overwatch 2. So I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing. I just it's a very interesting thing, especially as a person who I, I bought Overwatch back in the day too. As did I. I haven't played it in forever, but uh it was one of those where I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. an interesting choice. This is not a surprise. Um if you guys followed any of it from like as Brev said, from the beginning of the game, like years ago to where we are now, they invested a lot of money in Overwatch. Mm -hmm. Built a you know, an arena for it. They've started their own pro teams across states. Absolutely. Tried to really make it the uh, competitive esport that they wanted it to be. Then Fortnite came out, and Fortnite changed how video games make money. Yeah, it did. And you can see that Overwatch was like, well, if we make Overwatch 2 as a DLC and we keep it the same as paid, it's just not going to make enough money, and Blizzard is desperate for money, as we all know <laughs> uh, these days, and not their fault. They're doing, you know, yeah, that's what they're doing, I don't doing, like yeah. to blame the game developers or anything for things that happen at the high end of, you know, corporate ladder that, well, you know, right. everyone's getting their justice now, so, mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, I think the interesting thing now is that Overwatch 2 is going to become more of a Fortnite model, which will be the, okay, you get to play for free uh, if you want skins, you know, you're going to have to pay a lot of money, and we're going to design gameplay to be five players instead of six, because I think that's a very smart move. Yeah. Uh, less, you know, less things on the screen, right? You need people to be able to follow it as an eSport. You know, if you have, you know, one less person, that's what, you know, 18 less percent stuff you have to follow, which is great, which yeah. doesn't seem like a lot, but it, it is. definitely it really can is. be. Yeah. And then when you're queuing in also, right, like they had a problem with their roles back in the day where, you know, they couldn't find enough people to do things. Mm -hmm. They tried to integrate a chat system and a mic system that just 
went haywire because people can't be happy in video games. No, apparently. no, and that's I mean, God, unless I'm playing with friends, like uh, if I'm playing any multiplayer game, almost I immediately, almost always mute my mic. Yeah, it's just because it's never good. It just ends with us yelling at each other and me yelling at some twelve year old, and like I just I don't need that in my life. No, I just, no, I just don't need that. As much as I love getting cussed out by twelve year olds, you know, for being yeah. worse than they are, immediately right. probably true, but you know, still, especially in a team based game. Yeah, it's like, hey, how about you don't run ahead and then get yourself killed and then get mad at us for not backing you up when you ran ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but Overwatch has always been very good. I, I've always surprised that it wasn't able to do better after its initial launch and not to the fact that they didn't put money into it. So mm-hmm. it, it clearly was something along the lines of there's a barrier and they haven't been able to solve it. So this is an attempt to solve it. So there may be a huge boom again once this game comes out. And it'll be interesting, too, to see what they're going to be doing in terms of like skins and stuff, because I know that the, because of what happened with Diablo, uh, they are switching away from the loot box system and going to the season system, mm-hmm. which is you put in money for a season. If you complete everything, you get a whole bunch of skins, rewards, and you get that sort of thing. And that's like a, like I've seen with like Apex and uh, different, like Fortnite, hell, even Marvel Strike Force, like I was talking about. Everything has seasons as a way to get their money out of you on that aspect. Yeah, the uh, improvements to Battle Passes has been a huge, huge upgrade to system than making money for any game, really. Because what you can do is you do the two free tracks, which is the one that you get for free when you yep. complete stuff to keep players playing, and then the monetary one where you can pay to get more stuff. And it's the dangling the carrot, because you get to see, oh, yeah, you know, you hit this rank, you could have gotten this, but guess what? If you just put in the money, you can still get all the stuff that we've already gotten. Yeah, I can go into the psychological uh, experiments that they've run oh, yeah. to figure out the best way to do that. But it's overall, and I get it, because it's kind of like a pushed advertisement. At the end of the day, you still can just not pay. Exactly. <laughs> so. And that's, I think, kind of like the crux of like all of this on all that. You don't have to pay for all these things if you want to, and there might be something you're like, oh, that's really cool. Maybe I will kick in a couple bucks. These are still developers who are making a game, and yes, the developers are making a massive amount of money when it comes down to it for all these people. You can put in whatever you want at that aspect, but sometimes I feel like I'm like, you know what? I've been playing this game for a couple of years. Yeah, sure, I'll kick in 15 bucks for this thing that I want so I can, you know, get through my stuff a little bit quicker because I've already spent, you know, spent so much time playing it. They've added updates, they're continually updating the game. Yeah, I feel like I'm okay with paying for stuff when it comes down to that. That's exactly true. And that's how I felt with Diablo. Diablo added an auto navigation system where it will literally take your character wherever you want to go and walk you straight to it. Oh, God, that's so perfect. And I was like, this is the greatest update (laughs) to a looter I've ever seen. And it's on mobile and it's free. And I'm like, this is what you're supposed to do. When people pay for your game, you actually make improvements. (laughs) So, yeah. So, again, like if you get anything out of this episode today, it's you don't have to pay for Pay free for games. it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you don't have to pay for the free games, but you can if you want to. All right, now we got to get to the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got for us? Uh, well, we own, we work, our day jobs are radio. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, we work in a radio station here in Seattle. Absolutely. And one of the biggest names in radio would obviously have to be Howard Stern. Oh, yeah. like Without I mean, reason. Self-proposed king of all media, and, uh, I mean, just a terrestrial monstrosity who moved to Sirius XM when all that stuff went up. And he's been doing that for years and years and years and years now. Should we add doctor to that title? What? Nope. No, I mean, he would have to have a doctorate at that point, right? Well, I don't know if they would give that for radio. Well, how about a fictional doctor and uh, MCU villain? Wait, what? 
So during a hot mic moment, apparently Howard Stern might have revealed that he is going to be in an upcoming MCU project. I I don't believe it. I what? Oh, I, really? I'm like, I think it must be. It has to be a troll because I don't know if I like this. Okay. Um. So we we know that they're pretty good. The MCU is really about keeping spoilers from leaking, unless you're Mark Ruffalo or Tom <laughs> Holland, and then they just duct tape you. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like a lot of the times, if there are mm-hmm. quote unquote leaks. It's something that they've intended. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even at this point, it feels a lot of the times it's uh, it will be a, like a diversionary tactic. Right. So like I, I've read a little bit about what's going on here. But so he had a hot mic and he leaked that he had something going on with Dr. Doom. Right. So the audio had made its way to Twitter where someone where we can hear him say, they're going over the schedule with me, and it's going to suck. I told you I'm going to do Dr. Doom. That's the thing. I believe, and believe, but believe me, I'm effing miserable about it. And then he's like, I've called Robert Downey Jr. and asked him about acting techniques. He's only been in, like, what, that one movie? He was in Private Parts, yeah. where he played himself, which was hilarious because they didn't try to do any DH technology. So he was, at the time, he was still in his, like, 40s playing, like, 20-year-old himself, which was, I mean... It is what it is, and as long as you're like fine with it, it's good. It's still a really good movie and gives a really fun peek into the world of radio because, by and large, it's it's not an accurate representation, but it's a pretty solid representation of like radio in the uh, 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. The thing is, we know that they're going to be doing a Fantastic Four mm-hmm. thing, yeah. movie specifically, I believe, and we've gotten a hint, spoiler alert, We've gone, like, if you haven't seen Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, one, it's already on Disney Plus, so you don't really have an excuse. Yep. But we already kind of got a glimpse at John Krasinski's um, Mr. Fantastic. Whether or not that's going to be the same Mr. Fantastic in the uh, the movie that we're going to get later in a few years. Variants are variants, and we've seen right. different people who can be a variant of one character, mm-hmm. especially with Loki, or we've seen one character or one person being the same or one you know actor being the same character of a variant very right. confusing it's and i mean even with that one i remember reading that kevin feige uh sam raimi said kevin feige put john krasinski, krasinski that word in as um mr fantastic because of the fan casting mm-hmm. of it does that mean anything beyond mm-hmm. it's just fan service at this point? No. We could get a totally different one. I mean, we've had so many different Mr. Fantastics at this point in time. I still kind of would like a Miles Teller, not as the Reed Richards we know, but since that one crappy Fantastic Four was based <laughs> on the ultimate. Hey, hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. It was based on the ultimates. So mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff was based on that, and we got out of that the Reed Richards, who ended up being the maker, mm. who in the comic books was one of the key instrumental people who crashed uh, the Ultimates universe in with the normal Marvel universe, mm. which is an incursion, which they've already noted mm. in you know Wanda and all of this. This is where they're leading to stuff. So, so I would love to see it. that. There's so many different Mr. Fantastics. I think, I swear to God, they have like a council of reeds, just like they did in Rick and Morty. So mm-hmm. I think like you could have so many people, old actors, bring them in, new actors. Who cares who Mr. Fantastic right. is? You can have a billion of them. That cast was so good. I can't believe that movie was bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you oh, look at the, the final, yeah, if you look at the final product, it was the, it was the studio, it was the director getting overwhelmed and then just kind of giving up and then being like, well, we got to finish the movie. Here's 
a third act that is a total pile of that. Uh, like I think I, I, so I watch a lot of videos, like reaction videos or people reading stuff just as my background noise sometimes to make, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm basically a chihuahua in my house. I need just somebody <laughs> talking in the background. Uh, and so one gal was reading, like, Self Burns, and one of them was from, was it Josh Trank, where he's like, that is bad, and I made Fantastic Four. <laughs> you know, it's like when you recognize that sort yeah. of thing. And, like, I didn't like the Doctor Doom on this, and the one thing that's kind of interesting also with the Howard Stern thing, he doesn't have to be Dr. Doom. He says a- he's doing Dr. Doom, which means, A, it could be an animated show. Mm-hmm. It could be him playing himself in a role on the show like or the movie where he's just like, yeah, I have to talk about Dr. Doom because we're, it's a radio scene and we're doing a thing. Maybe we're interviewing someone or it's just a cut scene yeah, that's going I mean, through it he all. He could be in it. Um, he could also just be the voice when he's in the suit, yeah. right? Like if he's like yeah. the suit most of the time before we actually see the actor or whatever, it could just be his like modulated voice, kind of like Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean with that one, Hayden Christensen was inside the suit, but it still was James Earl Jones's voice modulated however mm-hmm. which way. I don't know if he actually did it or if it was like an AI or something. I'm sure uh, it was James Earl Jones. Pro- probably because I mean he's still around. Uh, but it's like it, it leads to more questions of what's going on. I, I definitely could see all that except for the animated because he does say I called Robert Downey Jr. and asked him for acting techniques. He doesn't need Fair. help with right. voice yeah. techniques. Yeah. But then also like him saying all that on a quote unquote hot mic, like it just feels like you were even saying it feels like it's a plant, like, like it's supposed to be there. It feels like it's a Mephesto moment. Or even like when the Deadpool footage got quote unquote leaked, we're all pretty certain. Like I would put down my life savings, which honestly isn't much. <laughs> <laughs> To say that Ryan Reynolds was the one that quote unquote leaked it. And that's the thing. It's like it's like the worst kept secret. He hasn't confirmed it because mm-hmm. I think he would actually get in trouble if he did. But all signs point to that. And I mean, I just love the fact that it's going to be ridiculous. Like uh, I knew, like you said, you, we know we're getting Fantastic Four. We know obviously that leads to Doctor Doom. A lot of people now are also speculating that Kang is a diversion. Hmm. Like, it's one of those things where everyone's expecting it. What is it called? False flag or whatever? Yeah, or like a red herring. There you go. That's and the one. so it's like he might be in it. This might be the whole thing going down. But I, I th- everything is looking like it's going to lead to the big event, like the big uh, 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 Avengers Endgame sort of event is going to be Secret Wars which Doctor Doom has a really large place in the 2016 Secret Wars, Mm -hmm. which would be really fun to see what they would do with that because I would be all in on a God Emperor Doom. Is it Secret Wars or I get Secret Wars and Secret Invasions confused? Secret, like Secret in, Invasions yeah. was with the scrolls. Yeah, Secret Invasions is the Kree scrolls, mm-hmm. which is what we're going to be getting in the Disney Plus series mm-hmm. where Sam Jackson is coming back. So they're going to uh, deal with all of that, and we don't know how that's going to play out with any of this. Um, but yeah, Secret Wars was Battle Planet originally. That's where Spider Man got a symbiote suit, mm-hmm. and it was basically they took all the heroes and they threw them on a planet, and they're like fight it out for the fate of whatever. And then is that the- Modok? 
Um, you know what? I don't remember the first one. Maybe it was like in between, or it was some cosmic en- entity. I know I read a little bit. Like Modok did do something like that, but I might be thinking of like an animated series. Yeah, I'm not, not not the Hulu one. <laughs> that one, by the way, got canceled. It was kind of fun though. It was okay. But yeah, with the Secret Wars in uh, uh, 2016, like I said about the incursion with the Maker, basically they smashed the uh, the realities uh, together, uh, broke it all apart. Uh, Doom using, oh man, like Particle Man or something mm-hmm. like that. No, I think that was a Looney Tunes character. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, it was like one guy uh, basically was the power source for the universe. Doom harnessed him to bring all of these things together into his own battle world to save reality. And then eventually they were able to break it apart. Fantastic Four, Future Foundation, whatever the hell you want to call them. The kids went off to go create realities mm-hmm. and new universes. And that's how they rebooted the uh, Marvel Universe universe i wonder if that means that the fantastic four movie will be more of like an avengers movie like it won't be an origin story it'll be like everyone's coming together and they're just like a part of it kind of it, a thing it'd be interesting to see that and they've had different members in the fantastic four mm-hmm. yeah it's funny enough i want to get a tattoo of when x23 was in. it wasn't necessarily the fantastic four but it was a version of it and i don't remember what they called it but it was spider-man and yeah. x23 were both in it and they wore all white outfits Ooh, interesting so i mean there it could be Anything, really. They could have multiple members, much like the Avengers. And that's the exciting point with all of this, too, is that if they turned the... Because, I mean, even I think at some point they said, like, the uh, uh, Endgame was the last, quote-unquote, Avengers movie. Mm -hmm. If they just turn this into, like, you know, Fantastic Four, Rise of whatever. Not the Silver Surfer, because we already saw that movie. But, like, if they did those sort of things and turned that into the the cosmic thing, you know, Fantastic Four, Secret Wars. Or just call it Secret Wars. I don't care. That's what I want at this point. I'm hoping that's what they're leading to. But, I mean, Kevin Feige probably still has another 20-year plan set up for all of this. Uh, So we'll just have to see if they're able to bring it to fruition. Well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.